Loving Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open your word to us now. Help us to hear you, to respond to you. And I pray that you'd root your word in our hearts as we go out into this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got a series looking at various disciplines, um, practice, practices for us as a church. And today I, I've got uh, the sort of title of, well, or, or the question, I've posed it as a question. Why do we gather? Why do we come together as a church in worship? That's my title. What's, in, in essence, what's the point of us coming together on a Sunday? Now, to be honest, we could probably do a whole term series on this. So I'm going to, in the next 15 to 20 minutes, just give a little rush through of some thoughts. But I'm going to start somewhere that you perhaps wouldn't expect, because what I want us to talk about when we look at why we gather together as church and what public worship is all about, I want to start talking about love and desire. Yes, it's going to be a soppy sermon today. And whilst the two passages might seem unrelated and not perhaps your first port of call when looking at why come together to worship, there is a common thread, and that's my starting point. And I want to go to that gospel passage of John and the simple phrase when... John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus, says, this is the Messiah. This is the one that I've come to prepare the way for. And two of his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, his followers, up sticks and say, we're going to follow that man. And what does Jesus say? He turns around at these two new followers and says, what do you want? What do you want? Now, I'm going to presume here from lots of detailed academic biblical analysis, or just my hunch, that it wasn't, what do you want? It was a, what do you want? Why, why come after me? And I think this is the essence of the question that's posed to every single human being in the world. And it's a question that in some sense has been answered by everyone who has been baptised, that is sat here on a Sunday morning when you could be watching, I was going to say Andrew Murray, stop now, hasn't he? Watching TV, um, spending extra time cooking your roast dinner, staying in bed, going to a cafe for brunch, or whatever it might be, that one day you felt that call of God in Jesus Christ where you went, I want this. I want this person. I want my life to go in that direction. And the big thing that I want to say this morning is that why we come to worship together is that it's training our love and desire 
towards Jesus Christ. Put it another way, and believe me, and we can talk about this afterwards if you want, up for questions and discussion later, there are times when even when you've got a dog collar on um, and you're in positions of kind of churchy work and even lay readers now, Philippa, there'll be mornings when you go, I'd rather stay in bed. There are some more enjoyable things to do at this particular moment in time than turn up at church. Can I be really honest and admit that? Yeah? And actually, it's not about what you feel. It's not about even what's entertaining. But it's about how we train ourselves into love of God in Jesus Christ. The analogy here, and forgive me if you're not married, it's relevant to friendship, frankly. Sometimes you don't feel like spending time with important people to you. They might have annoyed you. You might just be a bit busy. Just might not be in the mood. But part of particularly the intimacy of marriage is that you choose to make time. And even though it might not feel lovey-dovey and all wonderfully romantic as you begin a date night or just even checking in and having a conversation where you're real with each other, those disciplines help you towards that. And worship, coming together, is exactly like that. These are habits of the heart. I don't know if you know this, but nuns and monks, those in what we call religious life, they make a lifelong commitment. And, and it's a bit strange and a bit odd to us from the outside. But part of the ceremony of somebody who is religious, in one sense, they make a commitment to be married to Christ, to be celibate. They'll even have a ring. And there's a question in Latin that is given to every monk or nun before he or she makes their profession of commitment to the religious life. Quid petis. What do you want? Worship is a habit of the heart. It's part of those virtues which shape who we are. Just to go to that Philippians text and that beautiful prayer of Paul, let's not forget, written in prison, that letter that is full of joy and rejoicing and the decision and choice of him in connection with the church to pray blessing and hope for that little community in Philippi. And I don't know if you noticed in that prayer, but there was something about the church in Philippi, deepening their knowledge of who Jesus Christ, that they could discern the will of God and become more like him. And you read it and go, yes, wonderful. I want, I want to know more and more of who Jesus Christ is. 
until I come face to face and everything's healed and we come to this place of wonderful oneness with God, which is where we're going. What's it start with? Starts with love. It's not, and I say this as someone who loves the teaching, who loves the preaching, who loves the theology, worship is first and foremost not about knowing more. It's about growing in love of God in Christ so that we can know more and know his will. It's a relationship. And us coming together as church is like an incubator of our relationship with God. You know, like they do with chicks when they're born, putting a, a hot light on them so they can grow and flourish, even when it might not feel like it. And let's not forget, I'm sharing this message in a context where people are legitimately asking questions. Well, we've had two years of on and off lockdown. We've done Zoom. And whilst there are real and genuine concerns for the vulnerable in all sorts of ways, I think for everyone else still, there are real questions about, well, I've got out of the habit. Maybe I'll go to church one in three. And believe me, I share that temptation too. But actually, this is good for us. This is what shapes who we are as God's people. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Christian worship incubates our loves and our longings. As a wonderful American theologian called, called James Smith, I'll read this quote out. You need to curate your heart. You need to worship well because you are what you love and you worship what you love. Every human being is a worshipper, is a lover. But lots of human beings just don't know what they love and worship. They might worship their family, or their football team, or shopping, or alcohol, dot, dot, dot. Everyone worships something. There's a great Bob Dylan song. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you've got to have to serve somebody. Phil's cheering at the back. It's a good one, isn't it? We're all worshippers. So how we spend our time, what we spend our money on, tells us what we think of what it means to be human and who we worship. And part of being human is celebrating with our friends and family, working, cleaning, doing ordinary stuff, Part of it is engaging in the world for 
doing stuff that transforms the world. Part of it is flourishing in friendship. But it has to have a central place for our worship together as church. And why? Because it tells us who we are. And let me spend a bit of time just going very, very quickly through a few things in terms of public worship that are vital, that speak into those disciplines that shape who we are as lovers of Jesus Christ. One, we've done some of that this morning, and we've been led wonderfully in thankfulness, thanking God. Where in our lives do we thank God? Coming together to do that is a brilliant thing to do, because that says that all the good things in this world, every good and perfect gift comes from God. It's gift. Thank God for all that he has given us, for this world, for each other, for people that bless us or are kind to us. Thank you for forgiveness, for his grace. That shapes lives that are thankful. Human beings need to be thankful because that's what we believe the world is indebted to God. So our worship shapes us into being that. Reading the Bible together, hearing it together, not just on our own, but together, reminds us that we, not just me, we are part of the people of God. Through this story that's shared in the Bible, God's covenant people, the Jews, first and foremost, And then the church called to a story of bringing wholeness to the whole world and bringing God and his people together. We are part of that. And when we read this story together, we're reminded of it. Let me particularly highlight one bit of the Bible. David Ford is a well-known theologian. He says, the Psalms are an education in desire for God. That desire word again. Read the Psalms regularly and together because those are models of worship and when you read the Psalms, they're really uncomfortable. And what's great in the Psalms, you see people thanking God, praising God, rejoicing in God, but also shouting at God, saying, why is this not happening? Railing at injustice crying out, where are you, God? And there's a lesson there which I see often in the calendar of the church where we have moments of great celebration and joy, Christmas, Easter Sunday, but also those moments of desolation, Good Friday, the waiting of Advent. And somehow coming together as church needs to reflect every part of the human experience before God, which isn't all skipping and roses. And the pattern of our worship shapes that. There's a kind of ebb and flow that we come together 
And there'll be moments not just in the church calendar, but when in our congregation some will be suffering. And we share that together with them. Some will be rejoicing the birth of a baby or a marriage. And we rejoice with them together. And we bring that before God. A few other things. We've done that this morning. Confession. Why do we say a confession every week in public worship? Because you get in the habit of saying sorry. Because it shapes lives where that's just what you do. Intercessions. We're going to have intercessions shortly. Our prayers where... As it says in 1 Timothy 1, pray for everyone. Pray for the leaders, the kings, those in government that we might be free to worship. We pray for those big things publicly because these things matter and doing them together reminds us that they matter. And Holy Communion, and I think there'll be a session one Sunday morning where we look at that in particular, where For me, increasingly, I think St. Christopher's is so gifted because we come together in our diversity. Different backgrounds, different cultures, white, black, Asian, young, old. Gathering as church tells us what it means to be human, what is good and what is important. And being church together says our diversity matters before God. We have come together because of the cross and resurrection in Christ. No other thing would unite some of us. It's only Christ that brings us together. And that is wonderful. So sense in which public worship trains our moral sense. Not just that we desire God and that shapes our love, but we begin to desire the things that God desires. Romans 12, very well-known verses. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God. Again, out of our love for Christ, the whole of our lives matter, which is to say our worship doesn't stop when we leave that door, but what happens in this room helps shape what goes on when we leave that door. So, I'm going to finish there. I'm going to ask that question again, the question that Jesus posed. What do you want? And in Spice Girls fashion, what do you really, really want? It is really tempting to give up on this thing called public worship. Yeah, it's just another, you know, Fiona and I joined a tennis club, sorry, a little aside, through lockdown, or it was began 
after the first initial letting down of lockdown. It's been great for us. Physical exercise, thing that we can do together. We'll be playing this afternoon in the cold. And it's so tempting to treat church like just another club like that. You meet some people, have a nice time on a good Sunday, feel a bit better every now and again. It is so much more than that. It says who we are. Who do you want to be? What do you want? What do you really, really want? And a final point, which should be implicit in everything I've said, if everyone's a worshipper, there are rival liturgies out there. Other things that crowd in that want to be worshipped. Just encourage you this week to do a bit of an audit. It's a good time to do this, January. Audit your worship. How you spend your time? Yeah, I'm going to say it. How you spend your money? Who you spend your time with? What do you want? Let's pray. Loving God, thank you that you alone are worthy of our praise and worship. Help us in this. Give us strength. And where we need to fall in love with you again, come by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.